Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today. We thought we were going to be talking about the end of the finals, but the Cavs saved off elimination in Game 4. So we will recap Games 2, 3, and 4. We will also talk a lot about the NBA draft, as it is coming up in less than two weeks. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 8 11 select styles excludes in-store clearance we'd love it if you subscribed downloaded left some reviews we love any feedback and we're being hosted this year on FanRag sports so check them out on twitter at FanRag sports and for their nba content at FanRag nba uh zach harper at talk hoops is writing for us this year a lot of great dispatches from the finals from him we've also ramped up draft coverage free agency, lots of off-season talk already. So follow FanRag Sports on Twitter for all of that. As always this week, joining me is my co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Ryan. Good to hear. Our third normal co-host, Sarah Chalea, could not join us today. She is busy with this thing called work, which is just still a foreign concept to us. So in her place, we have a special guest, the one, the only... Meet me in Temecula, James Hollis. James, how's it going? You two motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I have been politely inquiring about why I haven't been on the show for like five years now. <laughs> finally, you make me get up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. And I, I learned I'm only on because Sarah had to work. Oh, <laughs> 
That is true. We it's been long, long awaited debut of James Holis on the NBA pod. But James, we yeah. appreciate you joining us. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work and where they can follow you on Twitter. Well, thanks for having me on, but I think I might leave because I just wanted to come talk to Sarah. I didn't want to talk to you. <laughs> I, can, but, I, can, uh, I can sympathize. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on Twitter, Snotty Dripping, uh, homage to the great Scotty Pippen. So just move a couple letters around and you got Snotty Dripping. And uh, I'm over at B-Ball Breakdown with these guys. And I'm kind of on the Almighty Baller uh, radio network uh, where I haven't recorded in a long time. So. I'm I'm slacking, but uh, yeah, check out the Truth Podcast there, and uh, that's about it. Good stuff, yeah. Give James a follow. He's got he does great work for B-Ball Breakdown as well as the ABPN. So give him a follow all around, uh, guys. Let's talk about the finals first before we head to the draft. Uh, last time we talked more, it was right after Game One. You know, <laughs> we already asked the question if the series was over. Game two did nothing to change that perception. You know, the Warriors did not turn the ball over four times. They turned it over 20, but they still routed the Cavs. So 2-0. At that point, you know, the 16-0 and conversation begins in earnest uh, as they head back to Cleveland. So game three, let's talk about that first. Because the Cavs, you know, their role players wake up. J.R. Smith actually hits an occasional shot. The Cavs uh, have a six-point lead with three minutes and nine seconds left. And then the Warriors do their Warriors thing, go on an 11-0 run to end the game. Kevin Durant hits one of the most ice-cold three-pointers you're ever going to see in an NBA Finals game to give them the lead. And then Kyrie Irving, after playing a brilliant game, uh, decides to go straight into iso ball and you know isolates for 20 seconds against uh, Clay Thompson before firing a step-back three that wildly clangs off the rim. So, James, after Game 3, did you think there was any chance the Cavs were coming back and responding in Game 4? Or did you think that was going to be the straw that broke their back? I mean, LeBron James is among the greatest of all times. Their season's on the line. They've been embarrassed. So there's definitely a chance. Uh, you know, they, they're at home. They don't want to be embarrassed again and just, you know, be, be a victim of the, the 4-0 sweep. So um, I gave them a chance. Uh, I had the feeling that this was the game that they're going to win and it's going to be over on Monday. Uh, if it goes, if they win Monday now, that's, that things get interesting then because now mm-hmm. the pressure pressure squarely on Golden State. But sure, sure, I gave them a chance. When you have LeBron James, you always have a chance in, in a single game. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's, that's a reasonable take. Uh, Mort, what, what did you think about the Cavs' late game meltdown in game three? Was it bad coaching was it just Kyrie going wild what what happened there well Kyrie going wild is one thing it's also just the dynamic of the Golden State Warriors presence I mean they they were just so competent in closing out the game you had like you alluded to like Kevin Durant coming down doing the pull-up three which is an instant iconic finals moment like remember back in the day when we thought a pull-up three was a bad shot not anymore right? <laughs> uh so yeah, I, it was a combination of things. I didn't really have the biggest problem with Kyrie overall. He was trying to create something out of nothing. Uh, we have to keep in mind that the Warriors' defense is still exceptional. So mm-hmm. he had to use his ball-handling magic, which he does have, to create something, and Clay just did a hell of a job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown had a video on Twitter, I think, Friday where he highlighted those two end-of-game possessions, and it was like, 
as you said, Mort, it was not just, you know, Kyrie wasn't just freelancing. Like, it was the Warriors. Uh, LeBron tells J.R. Smith to set a screen. Iggy blows that up. And then at that point, no one on the floor is moving. So that's where I'm thinking about bad coaching. Like, mm. well, you know, someone just cut or, like, make the Warriors' defense shuffle around a little bit. It was just those four guys standing in place, and then Kyrie has to create. And as you said, Clay did a phenomenal job. Like, Kyrie is one of the best ball handlers, if not the best in the league. Uh, you know, he blows by guys all the time. So the fact Clay stayed in front of him and forced a tough contested three was impressive. Um, but, you know, to, <laughs> to be honest, I thought, at that point, I thought the series was over. And I thought it was going to end Friday night. Because I just thought, you know, that was such a demoralizing way to lose that I thought Golden State at that point, now, you know, they're one win away from the first 16-0 and run through the postseason ever. I thought they were going to come out Friday night and blow the Cavs off the floor. Instead, the Cavs score an NBA Finals record, uh, what, 50 points in the first quarter? It, it seems like every single thing they throw up is going in, and a lot of these are not good shots uh, in Game 4 on Friday, but... You know, home crowd magic, J.R. Smith getting a good night's sleep. I don't know what it was, but it was an amazing performance offensively for the Cavs. So they end up winning the game uh, 130, 137 to 116. Uh, yeah, just unreal. Real quick on uh, on the on Irving and his, his ISO shenanigans. Mm-hmm. We can't praise him for 2016 and hitting the shot over Steph and then kill him for this one, right? Yeah. I mean, this is kind of what he does. So, uh, I, you know, I know you guys aren't really ripping him for it, but that's a lot of people, you know, making fun of what's What is Irving doing? Well, I mean, come on. He did it last year, and he, he was the hero, so you can't kill him for it this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, it's worth noting, in Game 3, he had 38 points. You know, it's not like he played a bad game. It's just like... Uh, that's going to be the lasting imprint of that game because, you know, he had the ball in his hands in the final minute. And it, like, it was a bad time to have. I mean, it was, frankly, an offensive breakdown of the whole team. But it was a bad time for that to happen. Uh, right. So, yeah, game four, the Cavs hit an NBA Finals record 24 three-pointers. Uh, I mean, it was just, like, one of the most incredible offensive performances I would say in finals history, given the team that they're going up against. Um, I think, you know, the highlight, of course, is LeBron James throwing an alley-oop to himself uh, in the third quarter. It also gets a little chippy. Uh, There was some confusion about a technical foul awarded. It looked like Draymond Green had gotten ejected. uh, And then it turned out there was some confusion about who the foul was allocated to, uh, so he did not get ejected. A a fan, a Cleveland fan, courtside, on the other hand, did get ejected, became a local legend because he started shaking hands with everyone on the way out. Uh, so, again, an amazing performance from the Cavs in Game 4. So now we are back exactly where we were in last year's finals. The Warriors are heading home for Game 5, up 3-1. This time, Draymond did not get ejected for Game 5. And this time, they have Kevin Durant. So, two big positives. But, James, do you think, was was Game 4 the start of, you know, the new comeback? Should the Warriors be worried about 3-1 jokes? Or were they just delaying the inevitable? I mean, it has to be there in the back of their mind. 
It has to be. And the, the it's amazing to me that we're back to three one again and, and and jokes and kind of start up again. But um no, addition to Kevin Durant, you know, you, you swap out nine points a game or wherever he was averaging for, you know, Durant averaging thirty four games and and it's a whole different mathematical equation. So I can't I can't admit what is what's the what is the statistical probability of LeBron James and his team coming back from back to back three one deficits? That has to be like the that has to be the equivalent of the Earth getting hit by Haley's comet, right? It has to be <laughs> right. So I it it blows my mind to think about it. But if, if anyone's if anyone could do it, I guess it'd be led by LeBron James. And I, I said begin the series. If he can figure out a way to pull this off. I'm I'm gonna just put him in the in the cat all time. Michael Jordan's my guy. I grew up watching Mike. That whole discussion was kind of stupid for years, but LeBron James in the last few years has earned earned that conversation. And if he somehow pulls off this series, which I doubt he will, right? I think there's like a less than probably one percent chance that they do it. But if he does it, where's well? Yeah, I I agree with that, mm. uh, <laughs> Morton. I have a feeling that that might cut a little closer to home for our once Bulls fan. Um, oh, I, I agree entirely like look look i love mike he's my guy as well grew up watching him look james you'll appreciate this my son's middle name is jeffrey because of mike so wow yeah i'm just saying so so obviously for me mike is the greatest of all time but i've come to realize during all these debates that it's really all subjective like you can't if a guy thinks that lebron is the best ever you know by all means if someone thinks mike is the best great ever fine and you know, you have you have guys who thinks who's, who thinks that Kareem is the best of all time, and I can't really argue because Kareem had a fantastic career. So, you know, it's at this point, it's just all about personal preference and subjective, you know, feelings towards this and that. And LeBron most certainly is in that category. I think Seth Part now said it best a couple of years back when he said you shouldn't really rate players like one, two, three. You should you should, you should put them in tiers instead. Mm-hmm. And LeBron is in that upper tier now, like the highest tier that is. So, and for me, that's that take like, is yeah. that take is not hot enough, dude. That take is not hot enough. So, <laughs> Seth Part, now, no, we are going to rank players, Seth. I don't want to hear your nuanced take. <laughs> yeah, we sorry, we we don't do the Skip Bayless thing too much here. I, I'm going to offer another lukewarm take right now, and we, I want to go. You know, now that we're on the Michael LeBron thing, I want to go back to Game Three for a sec because LeBron. Caught a lot of heat for some <laughs> some reason uh, from the Skip Baylesses of the world. You know, at, at toward the end of Game Three, uh, LeBron passed to Kyle Korver, who was open on the wing for a three pointer. Kyle Korver missed it. Uh, you know, obviously they went on to lose the game, and then naturally the MJ conversation started. It was like, well, MJ would have taken that shot. Yeah, right, exactly. Like MJ would have shot it over, and you know, LeBron is like he's got Draymond Green and Kevin Durant between him and the rim. So, you know, two of the best defensive players in the league, long-armed guys, tough shot. And yeah, maybe Mike would have taken that shot and maybe Mike would have made that shot. But at the same time, it's a percentage play, right? Like, who do you trust more in that situation? A wide-open Kyle Korver, one of the best shooters in the league? Or, you know, do you challenge two guys defensive stalwarts who are you know right in position to challenge your shot and make it hard so that that's the thing that drives me crazy about the mj mike conversation is like 
these guys are just built differently. Like LeBron has always had it. He's always preferred to make that extra pass, whereas that was something MJ had to learn to do over the course of his career. And once he finally started doing it, that's when he started winning all of the rings. Uh, but, it, you know, James, it, he just, it's a, again, it's a percentage play. He knows, like, look, I could make this shot. There's a, you know, 25, 30% chance that I hit this shot. But Kyle Korver is a 45% shooter on the wing, probably a lot higher when he's wide open. You know, it's, 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 he's just playing the math game here. So I, I just think the whole, I, you know, I, I, I like the LeBron-MJ debate just because, I like having it with smart people because <laughs> there's nuance involved. Uh, but Twitter has been a, a disaster. And I'm glad that LeBron avoided a sweep uh, in game four. I'm not. I wanted to see the sweep. I wanted to see. I, I, I either want to see a complete comeback by the Cavs or I wanted to see the historic uh, Golden State sweep. No in between. So if Golden State wins one day, I'm pissed off altogether. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I wanted to see perfection too for that reason. But if it if it came at the expense of you know people then saying, well, LeBron got swept in the finals twice, he can't be anywhere as good as Jordan. Like Kobe's better. Then oh it's, God, that's take that's the one that kills me though. Like, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I was gonna say we're talking we're talking about greatest of all times, and yeah, you can think Mike, you can think uh, you know Kareem. When people try to throw Kobe in there, is what really pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and no Kobe disrespect to Kobe. Ten. I have Kobe like in top twelve. He's just outside yeah. my top ten. So I, I, I think he is that tier removed from being in that conversation. Like I get that people just fell in love with Kobe because he emulated Mike a lot, and a lot of those people who loved Mike who got into like the second generation of Mike, and I put that in quotation marks. Uh, but you know, they they just dug Kobe's style instead of his substance. And then when LeBron came on the scene, it was clearly the better player. It was like, nah, nah, Kobe was better because. He, he reminded me of Mike. It's all about South South Park and member berries, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> it's, it's really about that. But yeah, can, can we just also point out one thing? Because we all talk about like, Mike would have shot that and all, all that. But let's go back to like game five in 1991 in the finals against Los Angeles. Mike's mm. on the bench with, with Phil and Phil is, going, is asking him like, who's open? Mike doesn't mm-hmm. answer. Who's open? Paxson then get him the damn ball and then Mike started mm-hmm. passing to John Paxson who closed out the game like so so this ideology that Mike would always take the last shot in whatever scenario humanly possible is wrong it's not accurate he did give up you know he passed up better shots to or, or passed up shots to get a better shot from someone else like on a you know a routinely level he didn't do it all the time as much as LeBron does but so what like you said Brian it's a percentage play Mike did pass to open shooters, and we have this ideology now that Mike, he just took every damn shot regardless of how hardly contested it was, and that's just a faulty premise. It, that isn't true. So now, I'm going to play, play devil's advocate, though. I mean, the basketball that we watch is entertainment, and I do like, look, I've, I've come not, one, not full circle on Kobe, but I've probably turned about 60, 70 degrees on Kobe because it's entertainment, and and. You know what? It's fun watching him shoot contested fadeaways over three people. It is. It's not a good <laughs> shot. There's better shots available. Yeah. And I can critique him after he does it and misses because you can say, well, Powell's wide open on the basket, whatever. You can do that. But it, it's fun. It's, it's part of the, the, the myth, the mythos that we weave around these players. And uh, LeBron has his, plenty of his own mythos, right? He's hit some really tough shots. He had that step back three last night. 
He can, you know, the, the turnaround mid-range has become a weapon of his. So um, it's silly to think that LeBron is, you know, quote-unquote scared of the moment. Yeah. And I, you know, him making the smart play is him making the smart play. But to the people who want to see him take that shot because he's the guy, I can't really fault him because, I mean, hey, again, it's all about entertainment. And we want to see our great players do great things. And, like, how, remember how disappointed we were in James Harden, what he flamed out uh, in San Antonio? Mm-hmm. He just kind of went down, you know, very meekly. He was passing the ball and stuff. That's not what we want. We don't want to see that. We want to see them empty the clip. So um, it's a silly, it's a silly, uh, like a silly critique of LeBron. But then, like, the little primitive caveman in the back of my brain wants to see it too. No, I get that. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the mid-range game and the post-up, two elements that are just basically gone from the game now. But when when Mike operated the mid range area, that was just so so entertaining to me. And also Paul Pierce, for example, who's a master at it. I love when people start to create something in that you know mid range area where you have to gauge the entire floor and make a read, or you have like a Tim Duncan type who was just in his prime, an exceptional back to the basket player. Those plays were aesthetically pleasing to me, so I get that. And now I'm sort of missing the entertainment angle a little bit because it's all threes and layups, which can yep. be slightly boring to me personally at, at some point in time. But yeah, I'm st- I'm still gonna look at the game and go, you know, it's it's so good right now. Like quality is for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think my favorite player to watch cook is uh, Paul George because when Paul George gets cooking, he's pulling those little mid range shots mm. and. Him and Russell Westbrook, I, I mean, it's bad shots, I get it, but I still love it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys heard of Joel Embiid? Because he's pretty fun. Oh, Assuming God. he's healthy. Here we, here we go again. <laughs> well, no, Whatever. no. I, I'm, I could talk to Embiid all day, too, so I'm I'm here for it. That, yeah. that kid's going to be a super uh, – he's going to be a top five player if he can stay healthy. Easy. Yeah. Knock on wood. Knock Don't on. indulge him, James. Don't indulge him. No, no, no I'm going to indulge him. I'm going <laughs> to – Hey, we, we have this whole conversation going about what team could probably push Golden State in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Philly in the next three or four years is going to be one of those teams. They're going to just be so almost – I don't know how they're going to guard them with when they start getting shooters uh, around Ben Simmons and Embiid and, and whoever they get this year. It's it's going to be terrifying. I'm oh, knocking on every piece of wood in my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So, James, you, you're in the camp that – Warriors are still going to finish this out, and presumably in five. Where, where do you stand? Do you think this is the start? Should the three-one jokes? Should we get them all in the clip again, or do you think uh, we need to empty that clip in the next three days because this thing's over on Monday? Look, I said six game initially, and remember my reasoning for it: it was to play it safe because if it went five, mm-hmm. it would be like close enough, and if it went seven, it would still be close enough. I played the percentage here, so I'm going to stick with six, just because. <laughs> okay. And then if it closes out in five, I'll take the one game loss, you know? Just, okay, I was off one game. I'll take it. I'm just, I'm going to yeah. stay politically, <laughs> I'm going to be Switzerland here. It's reasonable. I mean, honestly, it's crazy how, you know, the Cavs, again, game three, they have a six-point lead, three minutes left. Like, this series could very well be going back to Golden State tied 2-2, and I would feel very differently about it. But <laughs> because they melted down, uh, James, I'm with you. I'm still, I picked Warriors at five before it started. I'm not going to abandon that now. It feels like, I mean, Steph Curry had what, like 14 points in he game wasn't four? Good. He wasn't yeah. good at all. Four of 13, two of nine from three. Clay was four of 11 for 13 points. You know, Durant was phenomenal as usual. 
Draymond, despite almost getting ejected, probably had his best game of the series. But uh, yeah, I think Curry, Thompson get hot, hot at home, finish this out. Because James, you said it well a couple, you know, a couple minutes ago. They've got to have three one in the back of their minds now. I mean, it's a Got very it. different situation, but you know, it's. I'm sure between now and Monday, that's going to be the entire conversation. Well, so Durant I mean, has, doesn't remember. I mean, the rest of the team does, but that's where you have the luxury of Durant, who was not in that series right. last year. So he. But LeBron, hey, hey, LeBron blew a three one. I mean, uh, Durant blew a three one lead last year too. That's so true. it's in the back yep. of his mind too. So yep. it's um, <laughs> it's interesting, man. I. It's this is the fact that I even have a sliver of doubt in my head, and I'm even thinking, well, they did do the three one last year too. <laughs> is is a testament to how great LeBron James is. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it'll come out Golden State and like outscoring by thirty five, and it will be all like, oh, oh yeah, of course, right, <laughs> right. But yeah, but right. I mean that's the thing, right? I I think I put I picked Golden State in six originally too. So I mean, if it goes six, cool, I was right. But if it goes six, that's again, I'm gonna tip my hat to the Cavs because I don't think on paper mm-hmm. that you know but lebron james is just amazing yeah right yeah the talent deficit is absurd this year and it really you know those first few games it really looked like the Cavs had no chance in the series so again the fact it could have been you know with if durant misses that three it's probably two two going back it really is a testament to lebron you know Kyrie, he really redeemed himself for the you know he kind of no-showed in the first two games and despite that last you know, the last minute play in game three. The rest of the time, he's been phenomenal. Kevin Love, too. My God. Like, he was a no, a non-factor in last year's finals. He's playing incredibly well. And then Tristan Thompson, we should shout out as well, because he had his first good game of the finals in game four. So let me um, ask both of you guys this. I'm going to ask you guys this. So let's say this ends in six. And right now, like you just said, shout out Tristan Thompson. Kevin Love's playing well. Um, even Kyrie's turned it around. But I like it ends in five or six. It's really easy to say those guys played okay, but you kind of got to say, well, if they showed up in games one and two, this is a whole different series, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's kind of what separates Kyrie uh, Irving from uh, point guards to me is that he'll have those games where he just doesn't show up, and then he'll play great like he's playing now. But I mean, they needed him. They needed him those first two games. Kevin Love disappeared in game three. You know, it's it's um, and LeBron James is a great leader. We know that. It just, I don't know, man. It's 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 easy to think those last couple of games these guys are gonna go out, you know, flame throwing, but those first two games they, they just didn't play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they're going right back to Golden State. You know, they have to win two on the road now as well as one at home. So it's gonna be an incredible challenge for them. Uh I think let's save the off season talk for Cleveland for next episode because, you know, we oh, I, I, I don't, we don't we don't wanna bury them just yet, but we do need to address one report that came out this week, uh, the the dirt was barely on the Cavs' grave after Game 3. And then Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer on Thursday dropped a column saying in free agency, you know, LeBron had he signed through next season. He's a player option in 2018-2019. Uh, so he's widely expected to decline that to probably get one more long-term deal. And Kevin O'Connor saying he is in play as a free agent. Uh, he specifically listed the Lakers and the Clippers as possible destinations for LeBron, because as we know, LeBron has a house in L.A. Uh, the Clippers, he mentioned, as a possible team banana boat location. Uh, Lakers, he brought up the fact, you know, they've got a lot of young talent. Uh, Paul George reportedly wants to go there uh, in 2018 as well. So 
if they can, you know, package some of the the Mozgov and Deng contracts, you know, with a pick or a young player to get those off the books, they could easily create the cap room for both LeBron and George. So, James, are you putting any stock into this report? Do you think LeBron is an actual flight risk in 2018? Um, the only reason I put any stock into it is because when I heard rumbling the first time, I thought it was BS. I heard the rumblings months before he left Miami, and it's, I think some people that we all follow kind of was like pop, heard their rumors and they put it out. I was like, that's stupid. He's not leaving Miami. I heard rumblings about Kevin Durant to Golden State like almost two years before it happened, and I blew it off, and I didn't think it would happen. So every time we hear these things, and it's no matter how preposterous they sound, there has to be we got to take it with a grain of a grain of truth because. I mean, it's a possibility. Uh, LeBron James could set his roots down in Cleveland and still leave. And sure, the people would be disappointed, but he brought a championship home and he's still doing great things in Cleveland. Now, after hearing him talk on that barbershop show, uh, I don't know if you kind of caught that on. I think it was uh, with the un- 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 uninterrupted. Un- yep, com. Yep, yep. Um, and he was talking about how when he decided to move back, his mom didn't want to come and his family was basically saying, let's not do it because of the whole Dan Gilbert thing. But he said, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than Cleveland. This is bigger than Petty Beefs. And he wants to do something bigger than his name. So just hearing him talk like that, I can't imagine him turning around in less than a year and a half later going to another city, right? I think, I think LeBron James is kind of coming to, coming to uh, terms and is at peace with his legacy. He realizes that winning that championship for Cleveland and then now you know, playing with Cleveland on the front of his jersey it's probably something that can really close out his legacy solidly. He got his rings. He's had his travels. He's had his downtimes. And to be the hometown kid, you know, leading his team, it's crazy that we're saying this because it's definitely the second best team in the league. They just right now look like they, they won't beat Golden State anytime soon. Right? right. So it's, um yeah, I think we have to, though, and we have to take everything like that seriously because we do know it's a business and we do know that players – will look after their own best interests at times. And right now, it looks almost like kind of bleak for the second-best team in the league. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, I mean, a lot will, you know, a lot how these the rest of these finals go and then what happens in 2018, obviously, will determine that in large part. I mean, if they, you know, if the Cavs don't even make the finals next year, if, like, some upstart, maybe Milwaukee, fight, you know, puts it all together and knocks them off in the second round, then that's clearly going to influence his thinking. Uh, more, we've been clamoring for Team Banana Boat for years. Are you are you hoping that the Clippers no, assemble all their not. powers next year? Have we been clamoring for it? That's... Yeah, I was going to say, who's, who's, who's been doing this clamoring here? Yeah. <laughs> for entertainment purposes. Yeah, so, so and let me ask both of you guys this then. So even now... If this was two years ago, I think we'd get a different answer. But is that Banana Boat team really going to challenge what we see going oh, no. on at Golden State? Mm. No, right. not yeah. even yeah. close. Yeah, Melo's passes prime. Um, I, look, you know, I guess you guys probably both seen this. I, Chris Paul, I respect his game. I guess my thing with him is that I think he's a little bit overrated because he's not like Steph Curry where he's stretching the floor and, and breaking defenses. He's not like Russell Westbrook where he's so – ultra athletic that it doesn't matter his size and he, you know russ has that versatility and that speed and that hops he's he's really good but like against a team like the the golden state warriors i don't he's he's not you know you need length you need that switchability you mm-hmm. need you need some dynamic kind of do and he just he's not that player you know what i mean he's just not that kind of player so 
Um, yeah, I don't see the, the banana boat team doing anything, and I don't know if him going to the Spurs is the answer either. So, so no, no banana boat team for me. No, thank you. <laughs> no banana boat. Yeah. I mean, I would like um, to see it just for the hell of it because I like reunion shows once in a while. If I have to do a series like for ten years and it stops and I'm like, oh come on, just one reunion show like five, ten years later. This, that, this is it, just for one season, and then they can all go their different paths and or or even retire together. That would be kind of epic. Like if all four of them just went, you know what? After this season, we're all done. Like that would be a fantastic. That would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, I'm gonna be a hypocrite a little bit too because. Uh, Ian Levy, uh, Ian Levy, 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 uh, Hickory High on yeah. Twitter. He actually wrote a piece about how the thing for us to do is to find our entertainment and joy over the next couple of years instead of bemoaning Golden State and saying, oh, mm-hmm. it's hopeless. And that's one of those things, right? In the shadow of Golden State to have the Vanderbilt team do things. And <laughs> that would be one of those things that, that would be with, it's like Russell Westbrook going for the triple double this season, right? It's, mm-hmm. it would be a, very fun, intense distraction from, all right, well, we know who's going to be in the finals. Yeah. No, I, That's I, fair. 82 games of regular season does add a lot of information and a lot of subtext and a lot of things that you could, like, dig into. I mean, okay, I was a Bulls fan for a long time, so that's not enjoyable for me. That's why I have to switch to something <laughs> more, far more entertaining. But, no, I get it. I mean... Yeah, you have to figure out what's exciting to you. Like, I look at the Minnesota Timberwolves right now, and I can't wait to see what they're going to do during the summer. That's going to be the team that I'm going to look at really intensely and follow throughout the course of the season. And then when the playoffs start and you just know who's going to end up in the finals, it's going to be, oh, okay, because it doesn't matter. I got a whole bunch of, uh, you know, entertainment and information, whatever you get from the 82-game schedule. So... I mean, I don't. I, I, I always thought that those complaints were a bit overrated. Like, people are complaining just because they can't complain. They have a Twitter account; they can complain, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, he mentioned the Lakers as one because they have so much young talent. But more, you, your Minnesota thing gets me thinking. Like, isn't that the route? If he's gonna leave as a free agent, yep. go to like Minnesota or go to Milwaukee, where they well, like Minnesota Milwaukee with four. LeBron. Minnesota yeah. gets a four. LeBron can play the power four. Could you imagine this? You have Towns at, at the five, LeBron at the four, Wiggins at the three, Levine at the two, and then Chris Dunn or maybe, you know, someone else at the one. When it got, you know, if you can keep Rubio, like his spacing issues would be, uh, yeah, not that severe with LeBron in there because he would be the primary player anyway. So you probably replace Rubio with a spot up shooter or whatever. But exactly, yeah, like that would be amazing. Yeah, they could sign like Avery Bradley next year. Oh damn, yeah. Like Avery Bradley could actually play like a point guard, pseudo point guard Derek Fisher role because LeBron would handle mm-hmm. the ball that lot that much. Yeah. A- Avery runs yeah. a point when uh Isaiah sits a lot. So that's yeah, true. he definitely That's true. He's gotten better yeah. at it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or you know, Milwaukee too, you put him next to between Giannis and Chris Middleton. Like isn't that the kind of mm-hmm. Switchy, rangy defense that you need to stop the Warriors. So. That would be insane. Or just have have Braun come off the bench for Giannis, Ooh. right? Let him be a Ooh. super sub. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty sick. I mean, I'm sure lifestyle factors into it too, and LA is probably a little more uh, enticing than hey. Milwaukee or Minneapolis. Minneapolis is full of Scandinavians, so <laughs> representing. Here. Come on. He's also used to the Cleveland winters, so it can't be that much worse. It does. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we'll 
Luckily, we don't have to really start considering this LeBron stuff until 2018, but thought it would be fun to discuss. LeBron, I will say, before we... Oh, God. Oh, please. God. Could you imagine, like, the Lakers would just own every headline for at least three years. <laughs> hey, you know what? Because Harbaugh would say Lonzo is better than LeBron, <laughs> and then it would just be... <laughs> I think, First I mean, we might... I think I think uh, Braun might disappear, Lavar. We might just never hear from Lavar again because remember, Lavar was talking about uh, Braun's kids already, and Braun already. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Hey man, you know, hey, it's all basketball, but that's too far. So yeah, that'd be uh, yeah. That would actually be ideal. That, we might, <laughs> I might root for Lebron go to go to the Lakers just let's for start, that. Hey, let's start the rumor. Yeah, right <laughs> exactly. Sources exactly. are telling me that. Putting feelers out to play with the uh, Lonzo Ball. How do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about Lonzo, man? Are you guys all in on him? All let's right, so, let's seg right to the draft. This is yeah. perfect. So I have this thing, right? I when you have a father like that, who is the way that he is. Like I heard every good thing about Lonzo, as opposed to like, to Lavar, but I can't help but feel that in some way, when you have a father who, like that who is so aggressive and and so you know outspoken and whatnot that you have an element of that in yourself because like let's be fair you take things from your parents all the time so i'm like insanely nervous that if i draft lonzo who right now appears to be aces throughout everything that somewhere down the line he's gonna be like you know what i just put on this facade so i can get drafted high you know high so i'm just Mm. (laughs) i'm much like my dad fucking do you know pay me put me on billboards whatever i'm really really nervous about that because i feel like there's something there that we don't know um i'm gonna i'm gonna defend Lon. so i'm not i'm not that high on him i don't see what everybody else sees the star potential but i did watch his post uh, workout the lakers interview mm-hmm. his media availability and i'll say this the kid kind of won me over as far as personality wise he's calm he's collected he answers these questions I mean, I have I haven't heard him say ten words before this interview. He talked for ten minutes. <laughs> he he seems like a really good kid. All all accounts, you know, he's he is a you know pass first point guard. So he's 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 like not a selfish kind of guy. Doesn't seem anywhere near as, as chest thumping as and self uh you know self promoting mm-hmm. as his father. And I think his his dad's such a blowhard. I think because his kids are he wants his kids to have everything he didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. He tried to play in college and he wasn't. He had a, you know, spot minutes in the NFL, uh, right? Then he, you know, a couple practice teams or whatever. So I think his dad wanted to be a big-time athlete and just never made it. And so now he's living vicariously through his son, and he's aggravating. He's he's he's, he's aggravating as shit, right? But, <laughs> and also, I think maybe growing up in a house like that, those kids don't really take after him. They probably fit around him, as in they're kind of quiet. Their dad gets all the words in, and they laugh, and they follow, and... You know, he 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 led them in their, their workouts. So maybe maybe it's instead of taking after him, they they compliment him because of that, right? He's that That's large personality that needs people flitting around him, and that was his family. So um, yeah, I think personality wise, take Lavar out of the equation. I think Lonzo's was going to fit almost anywhere he goes. I that's think. the hope, that's, at least, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I want to believe everything that's been said about Lonzo because it's all been positive. I want to believe that. It's just like... I, I just I watch my own son and I see how many you know, things he picks up from my stupid ass, right? And I'm just like, <laughs> so I can't help but escape that. Feeling. Maybe that's more of a dad thing than it is an, an NBA draft observationalist thing. But yeah, 
No. no, I mean, you, hey, you raised a good point. I, I, I never thought about that. That like maybe three years down the road, two years down the road, when he's settled in and he's, he already kind of said it, right? They were like, hey, you know, what do you think about the Lakers? And he was like, oh, mm-hmm. they're, they're a good young team. They just need a leader. They need a yeah. point guard who can lead. And I'm like, dude, Russell's right yeah. there. You yeah. Know? yeah. <laughs> maybe you got right. some, maybe maybe you got a point there that he's gonna be outspoken and say things kind of brash i guess so you know we'll see like we saw yeah, we saw he, kd like remember when he started out in the league kd was real humble didn't really say anything to reporters now he's just like mm. unfiltered i love that by the way i love unfiltered players more than than i love those who are just like being politically correct but still like there is this transition because they have to get used to the cameras used to all the attention and whatnot so i don't know i could i could just see it land wrongly for Alonso, even though I, I hope he doesn't. I mean, I hope he lands correctly and separates himself from his father's you know image. I think KD's a little different. He purposely tries to come off like a kind of tough guy. Mm-hmm. I think I think KD's is born a little bit out of, not insecurity, I don't know, know what it is, but I think the quiet KD was kind of himself and now he's pushing himself to, to be a little more chest thumping and, 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 you know, even when he talks to the media, it's, it almost comes off kind of whiny when he kind of snaps at him. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lonzo, we should note is, you know, he's because of his dad, he's used to the attention a lot more than KD is like he's, he played at UCLA for a year. So it's not like it went out wherever he lands, you know, he's already been kind of the star the focal point for a year. Whereas like KD at Texas, I don't, you know, it's 10 years ago, so I could be misremembering this, but I, you know, that season was the Greg Oden season. So like KD kind of fell under mm-hmm. the radar. It was just like, Oh, there's this really skinny kid scoring 30 points a game. That's cool, but you know, it was... oh no, I remember that 10 years ago, KD was talked about and on SportsCenter all the time because he was flamethrowing. Yeah, so I get it. Like all the talk was, a lot of talk was Greg Golden and uh, and Mike Conley, and but no, KD, KD got his. You know, hey, that, it was a big discussion down the, down the stretch, right? Who's going yeah. to one, Kevin Durant or or Greg Golden? Yeah, so. down down the stretch, it was definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think Portland were actually legitimately considering Durant at least on draft day. I, I me- seem to remember something along those lines. And That's then, one of the greatest what-ifs ever, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, As, oh, man. That's rough. So we, uh, I'm going to note in this Lonzo talk, uh, Bleacher reports Kevin Ding had a report, I believe, uh, Thursday or Friday. Uh, so Lonzo worked out with the Lakers this week, and Ding says he didn't blow the Lakers away or seal the deal. So not that he is out of the conversation, but you know he the conversation is still open. They're still considering uh, Josh Jackson, apparently. Uh, he said, quote, to a lesser extent, Darren Fo- De'Aaron Fox. Um, and then also they're holding out hope that you know the, the Celtics do something crazy and De- uh, Markel Fultz somehow falls to them. So Mark my words, guys. If Boston somehow screws this up and picks ball over Fultz, I will no longer be a Celtics fan. So I'll be a free agent, and we can find another team for you to root for. You're welcome to the Sixers anytime, James. Jo- join the dark right. side. Join the dark side because I'm there. I am. I am teamless as of this this moment. I've been a free agent for a couple of months. No, and by the way, no interest, no offers yet, which is kind of insulting. The, hey, I'll say this, man. Hey, more. The Celtics will take you with open arms, man. We're deep. That's we true. got. Talent coming. We have talent there. Fun, hardworking team. Yeah. So that's hey, man. I'll I'll send you an application. Sign right up. (laughs) All right, James. Let's talk about the Celtics for a second because you know Markel Fultz is obviously 
the overwhelming famous favorite to go number one. He worked out for the Celtics this week. It sounds like it went well. Uh, there was a report that he's going to work out for the Kings. Seems like both sides are just doing their due diligence, but it would be a major surprise if anyone else but Mark Fultz comes off the board number one overall. So my question for you, James, is are you clinging to that number one pick no matter what, or are you willing to shop it for the right offer? So I guess this is my thing. When everyone killed Ainge at the trade deadline for not moving the pick and not getting Jimmy Butler and not getting Paul George because we were one player away, I think these playoffs have showed that the Celtics are not one player away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would have pushed, definitely they would push Cleveland a lot better with you know Paul George or whatever, but they're not beating the Warriors right now. In the next couple of years, they're probably not beating the Warriors. Um, and it's easy for me to say that now because I'm kind of biased because I, 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 I'm all in on getting young talent you know, from the draft, young, cheap talent under team control. And yeah, so I'm, I'm fine with holding the pick. Now, even if they move the pick for Jimmy Butler or Paul George, I don't think in the next couple of years with Isaiah coming up and all these contracts coming up, Avery Bradley has to get paid. Crowder's already uh, saber rattling for an extension. Is that team. So basically you, you'd be mortgaging the future to say, we think we can contend right now with Cleveland and with the Golden State Warriors and with the Spurs. And while they'd be up there amongst them, just having two MVPs in, in Golden State is such a game changer that I'd rather play the long game. So I can't think of a deal that would blow me away. I love Maybe the Paul George deal, but I know he's already kind of saying he wants to go to L.A. is what I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. I, don't know why he, I don't know why he would want to leave a team like Boston and go to L.A., but if his mind is set, his mind is set. Um, so that would probably be the only deal. I love Jimmy Butler. I think he, he's right there with Paul George. Just something about his game, I think, would, doesn't fit as well as Paul George's does in Boston. So Agreed. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, we, we had Derek Bodner on last week, and we also discussed this, and it came down to, as you mentioned, you know, the team control thing. Paul George, you have him for one year, which is great, but he's a flight risk. And if he leaves in 2018... And you just gave away a guaranteed four years of Markel Fultz and most likely nine years of Markel Fultz for right. one year of Paul George when you're still probably not going to win a title. Exactly. So. That's the thing, right? You got you to gotta look at the landscape and say, does this make us, you know, does this give us a 30% chance of reaching the finals and winning? And it, it doesn't. Just the, the two dominant teams in the league are just so dominant right now that I, I wonder if this is infecting all the front offices, right? Where Mm-hmm. They're they're moving their timelines out three four years instead of saying hey man you know we got we got Carlton Towns we got Wiggins let's add Jimmy Butler and we we're we're a contender and they look at what's happening and say okay well we can hold off on that because there's no right. adding a yeah so it's really interesting man I can never I can't think of a time period when there was a team that was this much better than everybody else or two teams I guess and then one team who's just even more dominant than that so this will be an interesting uh, off season. But there's some yeah. risk involved, though, in kicking the, the can down the road. Because let's take Minnesota as an example. Right now, they have a lot of cost-controlled assets, like Towns, Wiggins, Levine, and all that. But if you do not, at some point, before they hit their extension kicks in, like they have to sign them first, obviously. If you don't get a free agent in there, like you, you utilize your cap space for someone, then you lose out on a huge upgrading opportunity. Because when as soon as the mm-hmm. extension kicks in, that's less money to operate in in free agency. So, 
from my perspective, you you really need to hit the market at some point before all those kids begins to earn those max deals. Okay, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Yep. That but, makes uh, sense. Yeah, but I still get your point. Like right now, you going for it all. Like you you would need to hit a home run. I'm I'm of the opinion that if you are if you're Boston, and you're looking to trade the pick. You would need to not make one deal. You need to make two deals, and you need to have one of them, you know, lined up before you hit the the button on on the second one. And that is to get both Paul George and Jimmy Butler. Like if you can somehow swing that, and you end up with Jimmy and PG thirteen for next season, yo, then I'm in. Then I'm in. Then I see, you know, the reasoning to it. But if you only get one, then I agree with you, James. Then that is it's not enough. Right, and so because that like we keep talking about the math, it's the fact that there's two all two all MVP types and then two all stars in Golden State. You really got to beef up your team. So what do you guys think about if they sign Hayward and then trade for Paul George? Oh, oh, I mean, that's, so my my that's my issue. My issue with that is is now you're depending on Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, Hayward, and and Paul George are legit. I love Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas to death. The problem is. I don't know. I guess he's he's almost like, you know, he's tiny. He's like a smaller Steph Curry playing with the length, I guess, of the guys. So I guess it can work. But, you know, even Steph is six, what, six, three, yeah. six, almost six, mm-hmm. four. And uh, I, so, so yeah, so two, it's a two part question. What do you guys think about the Gordon Hayward and, and Paul George? And then even with that, say we do that, that move is Isaiah Thomas, that kind of piece. Is he that kind of player? Is can he overcome being five foot eight and 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 taking the and being part of a team that's next level? Brian, you go first. I mean, I I would do that deal. Uh, I don't know. Actually, no, I don't think I would. Still, I still don't oh. think I would trade Markel Fultz for. I mean, I would side Gordon Hayward if he's willing to come. That's great. That's awesome because he's young enough where he can still grow with your young guys as well. Mm-hmm. But I still don't trade Markel Fultz for one year of Paul George because I still. Everything we've heard is like Paul George has basically already signed with the Lakers. It's just one year, you know, one year early. So well, see, I guess the I guess the question would be is is the culture in Boston and and having that kind of team around him after coming from Indiana mm. is that enough to convince him, right? And I think that, yeah, that's my that's the that's, I'm with you because when people keep saying about get Paul George and 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 you just think that your culture will be enough to sway him, that's a huge risk. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's a huge risk. Yeah. Sure, he, so even if he comes and plays well and they get deep in the playoffs, and he's like, all right, guys, well, I, I mean, I kind of told you before you traded for me. Like, <laughs> right. Guarantees. There's no yeah. guarantees. I'm going to L.A. You know, right. so. All right, but then you yeah, make it like, hard. Yeah, like, I, w- I want to be in a sunny city. Yeah, but then you make it hard on PG-13. Like, if you get that second guy in there, whether that be Gordon Hayward or Jimmy Butler, like, then you would have a level of talent, like a team with so much talent that you just know that the media would crucify George for leaving. Like you would put him in a situation where you t- where you tell him immediately, we are going for everything. We're going for the r- ring. We're going for the title. We're not going for just one. We're going for several. You're a big part of this. Look at the team we've gathered. You are one of the main cocks in this. Like, this is it. If he leaves from that to go to an inferior situation, he is going to get killed in the media as well. So you have to convince him not only that the team is ready to compete and win titles right now. The culture is also there. But you also have to let him know that, you know, we traded for you. We gave up a hell of a lot. But we've given you all these guys. 
this is it. Like, we're banking on you and this future. Like, I think that would sway him a little bit. Because, come on, yeah. that would, I, I think that would be also a vote of confidence to his ability. Like, we're building something around you as well. I mean, it would. But see, would you want to keep a star who, like, you're basically, like, almost emotionally blackmailing to stay? Dude, <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe we, we gave up, say it, but. <laughs> we gave up so much for you, and yeah. if you leave, the no, media's going right. to kill you. You right, know what I right. mean? So that's. That's all right. Well, I'm subtext, maybe. Like, you should tell him. Like, you should, <laughs> hey, Paul, just letting you know, this is Danny, by the way. Um, we just traded for you. And just so you know, if you leave, we're gonna fucking kill you in our press. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, would the media kill him though? Because you know, now we've we've been bemoaning the Warriors are so good, and it's unfair that they added Kevin Durant. So if you add, you know, Gordon Hayward and Paul George, and you have Horford and Isaiah Thomas, it's the same thing here. So, like, we can't have it both ways, because no, then if Paul George leaves to join a Lakers well, team... Okay, well, so here's the thing, though. Now that teams are trying to reach Golden State, I think it's different. I don't think they would kill him for trying to make a quote-unquote super team. Right. It's And, mm. you know, now there's actually a, a giant to be slayed for... And I think they'd kill him because they'd say, you know what? He said he all he wants to do is win. Exactly. He's going to win the situation, and now he's going to Los Angeles. He yeah. doesn't want to win. He just wants <laughs> to get paid. You know what I mean? So I can see both sides of it, though, because, Brian, you're absolutely right, though, because then some, there'd be some people in the media who says who would just bemoan the fact, oh, great, another super team. You know, mm-hmm. Paul George could have made his own legacy in, in Los Angeles. He could have been the hero of the town, hometown kid, and look what he wants to go do. He's playing for the enemy. You know? <laughs> oh, right. Yes. And I mean, also, you know, the Celtics are in a weird spot right now because, James, you mentioned, you know, they're in that they're clearly good enough to win now. You know, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have Thomas and Horford. who are not getting any younger, but they also have a bunch of young guys and they have, you know, number one pick this year. They have the Nets pick next year, which is probably going to be in the top five as well. They just drafted Jalen Brown. Um, You know, it's it's weird because even if you get a Hayward and a George next year, George is a free agent. Isaiah Thomas is a free agent. Avery Bradley's a free agent. Marcus Smart's a restricted free agent. Uh, Al Horford could opt out after 2018, 19. So it's not like he's joining, you know, when, when Durant came to the Warriors, he had the confidence, like, look, I'm under sign long-term. Like this is our core long-term. You get Paul George there. It's like, you know, you got a year, but then everyone's a free agent, and we're either going to spend an exorbitant amount of money to, you know, we're going to go way into the luxury tax, or like we're going to have to shed some of these guys. Good point. It's not as quite as solid as it seems uh, with Isaiah and Avery up. And I, I heard Isaiah. You heard Isaiah already said he's he's fine not getting paid this summer. He's going to wait till next summer to take his, get his money. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. really shocked to hear from him. As he so. should. You think so? Yeah, I mean, well, one, the cap's going to go up. But two, I mean, I, I feel like there's going to be more desperation. You know, if he's I mean, he can only negotiate with Boston this summer. So Boston, I'm sure, will not offer him the max this summer because they want to preserve cap space. So, you know, I guess dangle like the Kings are around. The Kings are still a franchise. The Knicks probably aren't going to have their point guard of the future unless they get it in the draft. So. Bank on some team making a dumb move and overpaying him, giving him a four-year max. I guess the problem, the only thing I'm thinking, like financial security. Like, sure, mm-hmm. if he gets a four-year max, 
2018. That's great. But, like, you still lost a year of earning power. He's making $6 million this year. Like, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out how much did he have to make to make up for the fact that even if he doesn't get a max this year for Boston, if he got, you know, but you're, you're still getting paid a year early. And let's say something happens, mm-hmm. knock on the wood, he breaks, he breaks an ankle this year. He, he, you know, tears an ACL or something. Knock on wood. I don't want to wish injury on anybody. But it's a risk he's taking. It's a gamble, you know. Yeah. So, and he's got that hip injury, right? I mean, yeah. I, yeah. He, Honestly, we, yeah. So, as a Celtics fan, I appreciate it, right? Because he's leaving the cap space and he, he's giving the team a a better free agent. But from his per- point of view, it's kind of perplexing. Mm-hmm. So, James, what? I mean, let's go back to faults. Let's say they take faults. They don't make the Paul George trade. Twenty eighteen hits. What do you do with Isaiah? Do you re-sign him? Are you willing to give him a five year max? I wrote this for B-Ball Breakdown about how they already have their star and they should just be ready to pony up and pay him. And I, mm-hmm. I still I still waffle back and forth because even I, who do, I did my best to dispel the, to spell the myth. Look, I don't if I don't tell you his height and I tell you he averaged 28 and 6, you're like, that guy's an all-star. And he's mm-hmm. an all-star. You know? mm-hmm. 28 and 6, performed in the playoffs, 50-point playoff game. What are you telling me? And you're like, all right, you sign him, you pay him. In the reality, though, we're just watching. We're watching this series, and we're watching Kevin Durant turn away guys at the rim, and then come down and hit threes. We're watching Andre Iguodala strip players. Length is so important, man. And and you know, even Steph Curry, we you know, he's not a good defender, but you could see, you know, being six two, six three, and he gets his hand out in the passing lanes, and he comes. That matters. And mm-hmm. when you got a guy who's five foot eight, man, you just you, you put a cap on how good your team is going to be. Because even with Jimmy Butler, even with Paul George, even with Gordon Hayward, that's great. That having that weak spot because we we saw it. Teams teams can attack him. They can give him force to miss, uh, force the switches and get him in the post, and they're going to just they're going to just attack him. Um, and I, I just wonder if Boston will ever be good enough to overcome having him on the court. So, yeah, my mind says yes. You pay that kind of asset. Because even in the next, you know, three, four years, that's fine. You can either move him or you just let his contract expire. And that, now Markel and Jalen Brown take over. And that's, you know, that's how it goes. Or uh, like the other part of my mind says, move forward with Fultz. Move forward with Smart. Um, pay Bradley his money. And you make do. Because, I mean, the one win they got against the Cavs was without him, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, a team's not better without him, obviously. That's silly to say. But maybe cohesively moving forward as a as a championship kind of team, maybe there's another option besides paying Isaiah Thomas 27 mil. So my mind says pay him, but I, w- I would not be, I would not be too upset if they decide to move on because I think smart Terry Rozier and Fultz are, you know, enough of enough talent and Hey, that's, I'm, I'm actually insane. So I'll just say, pay. <laughs> I'll just say pay him. I, I'm with you. I, you know, I, I don't think you can build a championship contender if you're paying Isaiah Thomas a five-year max deal. Yeah. I just don't, you know, I, cap space, it's not a matter of, you know, you can, you've got his bird rights, so it's not like, oh, we can't afford to, you know, have him All around, right. but it's like, after you sign him, that's going to limit your flexibility to sign other guys, so... Yeah, you can, you know, maybe you build the super team this summer and just retain everyone and spend the hundred million dollars in luxury tax. But if not, then you know you can't add anyone of consequence outside of a mid-level exception. So, 
I, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, it, it sounds crazy because you're right. It's like the dude's averaging 28 a game. He has a 50-point game in the playoffs. He single-handedly carried you against, you know, against the Bulls especially. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it really does seem like, you know, I, I have repeatedly brought this stat up, and I'm going to do it again. In ESPN's defensive real plus minus, he was the league's worst defender this year. Like that, you cannot build a team to beat Golden State if you have that kind of a weak link, I don't think. And teams know it, so mean that means that his value is going to decrease when they shop him. Oh, it's funny you guys say that, because what's one of the teams that beat Golden State when they won 73 games? The Boston Celtics, Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> right? Nah, I, no, so it's... It's a really, it's a real thing, man. But then we're dealing with humans, and guess what? This, I think Celtics fans mm-hmm. lose it because he he made oh, yeah, a big, yeah. he's a big part of that team. He's a big part of that team. So it's it's hey, Ainge is in a really tricky, complex situation now as far as the picks, what to the future, who to resign, how much to resign it for. Because hey, Smart's coming up next year too, right? And you mm-hmm. can't keep everybody. Bradley Smart, Isaiah, you can't keep everybody. Terry Rozier is really a good player, and some sooner or later he's gonna. I mean, you got a decision to make. Oh, he's got this summer, right? Oh, man. Uh, I love the kid. He's he's restricted in 2019, so you still got a little time. But, yeah. I mean, he's played 17 minutes a game this year. Like, he's not going to get that amount of minutes with Mark Helfers. Oh, he's saying, yeah, God. And this is uh, so many tough decisions to make, man. Yeah. So I think I think more try. Right. He's 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 got to be gone. I mean, what what are you gonna do? You're not gonna play him five minutes a game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. You're not gonna play so. a whole lot of the two either because Markel is gonna get a lot of two minutes next to Isaiah backing up Bradley. For sure. So now we got we got Isaiah, Terry, Smart, Bradley. Four. That's five guards rotating through two spots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's it's almost it's almost it's untenable. Something has to be done here soon. All right, so here's my he, okay. I th- he, he, I have a solution. You move Rochier for a later first round draft pick, and you pick a stash and get you know a draft and stash guy. Sibling. I mean, then you save a roster roster spot, but you still have like a guy developing overseas. We got two of those already. I know. We got Yabaselli yeah. and my man Zizik. So. Yeah, he's coming over. But then you have another yeah. asset down the line. Why not? Yeah. Why not? You're right. It, it makes sense. And I, you know what? I know that the Oklahoma City, City Thunder would love to have a Terry Rozier backing up Russ. Mm-hmm. There you go. Hey, he would be the point. best point guard on the Bulls right now. Just saying. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is very true. And, oh, I mean, I Portland's think... got three first-round picks. They're shopping at least mm-hmm. one of those. Uh, they already got Shabazz. They got, well, the pro- problem is they got Shabazz. No, they got Shabazz. Shabazz is pretty nice, right? Maybe Pierre? He's all right. Yeah. Yeah, how how long is he signed for though? I don't know. Portland, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I think yeah, Port, a... Portland's in its own salary cap hell. Oh, uh, Shabazz is only signed through next year, and then he's oh, a free okay. free agent in twenty eighteen. So I guess it doesn't make much of a difference because Rozier is just one year after. Six, like in July. Yeah. Yeah. So. Shabazz. Yeah. It's good though. Portland. I think. Look, I'm, 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 I've been dropping this truth bomb on people, and I want you guys to know it. And people can make fun of me if I was totally wrong. If Nurkic stays healthy, Portland's going to be hopping up into the top four or five seed next year. I buy that. Yeah, yeah. We've been talking a lot about Portland on this pod as well, and we're we're in love with what they're doing. Like from a Joseph Nurkic standpoint, it's the salary the, situation that's 
really right. You oh, two man. are the first. You guys are the first people who didn't call me a, an idiot for saying that. No, you I mean, once they got Nurkic, they were incredible. Yeah, they, they were terrible you. before they got Nurkic, but they were really good after. Yeah, they were top ten offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think Dame is going to finally get his due this season, where people mm-hmm. gonna stop acting like he's a you know he's just a scorer. No, Dame can play. Some, Dame can play. Yeah, Dame's really good. Um. All right, let's wrap things up with one more uh, a stupid Kings story of the week. According to ESPN's Chad Ford, the Kings are reportedly trying to package uh, their, their two lottery picks, numbers 5 and 10, to move up in the draft for De'Aaron Fox. So, James, if you're the Lakers and you're sitting there at two, would you make that trade? Uh, if I'm the Lakers. If, so, realistically, sure. It makes sense um, because I don't think me personally, sure they love ball. I know at five and ten you can get say Dennis Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. Right, you could, you could get Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I think both those guys are going to be amazing. Uh, and so yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely would do it because you can you could you could stock up in in Los Angeles at, with the five and ten, and you, you don't you know whatever the ball hype the ball hype is just hype to me. For the Kings, I mean, again, my thing with the Kings at five and ten, you can get Dennis Smith Jr., you can get Donovan Mitchell, and I think Fox is going to be really good. I don't know if he's going to be that much better than those two guys, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I don't. If that's their guy, um, the Kings, I think, honestly, are are on the cusp of turning it around for me. The, the joke that they were, I think, I like their young pieces. I think, no, I think they, I really like their young pieces. The only thing that bothers me about them is they have the same front office, which is pretty stupid. <laughs> right. I, I worry about them making the right roster moves around these young guys. But, hey, I, I love the, the pieces they have right now. They're young. They have nothing to lose. They're going to be fun. They're going to play hard. So, um, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, they were frisky at the end of the year uh, after the DeMarcus Cousins trade. Like, Willie Colley-Stein started playing well. Olivier started playing well. Sure. Buddy Heald looked really good. Uh, yep. You know, the Steph Curry jokes didn't help him but uh yeah i mean he, he played a lot better in sacramento than in new orleans more if you're the lakers are you making that trade Wait, hold on real quick real quick uh oh, oh, one, one minute brian hold on because i realized i, I kind of waffled on my answer i'm supposed okay. to bring the hot take i'm supposed to bring the hot takes to this show yeah all right so here, here's the thing if i'm the lakers i do that deal no problem lonzo yeah. ball as good as he could possibly be he might have been a bust so mm-hmm. Hot Takes Night is here to tell you that's the move for the Lakers to make. They stock up on young talent, and they, they lose themselves with the, the pressure of LeVar Ball being in their ear. That's the move it has to make. Agreed. Word. Agreed. Yeah? yeah? Wow. Look, here's the thing, though. I actually have De'Aaron Fox a little bit over Lonzo Ball, and I also want to make you know correct myself from last week because when we spoke with Derek Botner, I said that there was a gap between – uh, Markel Foles, Lonzo Ball, and the rest of the field. But mm-hmm. what I meant was that is in terms of per, you know how people look at it. that's perception. Like the perception mm-hmm. is there is Markel Foles, there's Lonzo Ball, then there's a drop off. I don't yeah. agree with that. I have De'Aaron yeah. Fox over Lonzo Ball. Uh, I know a lot of people are nervous about his shooting woes. I understand that. I respect that. I also agree with it to some extent. But I keep looking at that shot four. And I keep mm-hmm. looking at the potential that he has as a shooter. Like, he reminds me so much of John Wall. And John Wall was an, an, a, a 
horrendous shooter coming into the league, but he's like fine mm-hmm. now. He's you know shooting thirty five percent, hitting a hundred threes a year, something like that. That's fine. I if De'Aaron Fox could become like that as well, then he is the second best player in this draft to me. So if you get that guy and he lives up to that potential in Sacramento, which I doubt because Sacramento is just they they are so horrible at talent uh, development, <laughs> right? So that's a shame. But if he somehow you know gets over that hump that is the the, the Sacramento Kings development uh, staff, then sure, then I, that deal makes sense for them because then they have a franchise guy. For the Lakers, you get you know Jason Tatum, for example, who sure as hell is better than Luol Deng, and I would personally say could project better than Brandon Ingram, who did not impress me at all during his rookie season. And then mm-hmm. again, like Dennis Smith Jr. or Laurie Markkinen, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there are so many options. And in this draft, I wrote a piece about this also on, on FanRag. Like, it makes sense to draft or to trade down in this draft and get like yeah. a bunch of guys because if you move past like ten, you could legitimately make a case that everyone from eleven to thirty is like scramble. Like, you could mm-hmm. just pick them out like in whatever you know. You know, in, in whatever order you want, and you could even extend it to maybe forty. It's so deep. Like, just get yeah. a lot of of bodies in there. And for the Lakers to get two, that's kind of necessary, especially if they want to get Paul George into the fold. Because then you get you can actually tell Paul, you know, we have more guys at our disposal right now. We have more right. people you can play off of. So why not? Yeah, yeah. I'm with James. I, I was expecting more resistance, guys. You get, you're killing me here. Because uh, I, I would do that deal in a heartbeat. Like, I, since lottery night, my dream has been that for the Sixers. Like, I've been hoping Sacramento fell in love with someone at three, traded both picks to get up to three, and then, you know, because I'm with you. I think, you know, there's not a – the difference between – Fox, Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson, and then even from the tier, from those guys down to the Dennis Smith Juniors, to the Natalikina, to Malik Monk, like I, you know, I'd rather take my shot with two of them than one of them because I'm not sure that I, I don't know if Lonzo Ball is going to be a better pro than Dennis Smith Junior. I, you know, we just don't know. Right? Uh, Possible, it, it, yeah. Who it. knows? Yes. So. <laughs> Well, guys, now I'm worried. Is right there. You just have to finish your thought. Come on. I, I mean, I would do it in a heartbeat if I'm the Lakers or the Sixers. That's that's the and I think the Kings would be making a huge mistake if they did that. Because again, Darren Fox might be the second best prospect in this draft, but you know, at this point, you just need young talent in Sacramento. You need to accumulate as much talent as possible. And it sounds like you know all the reports are. That no free agent wants to go there again. So you're either stuck overpaying someone or you're, you're left relying on young guys. So at least accumulate the young talent, get them locked into those cheap contracts for four years. And then, you know, maybe in two years' time, if you show a little bit more organizational stability, you'll be able to land, you know, you're never going to get the top tier, top tier guy, but maybe you get like, a, you know, a, a Rudy Gay or someone like that, bring him. A player of that caliber in free agency. So, just in regards to the Kings, right? This is really important. If they end up sticking with 5 and 10 and they draft two guys, would Vivek Ranadive make two calls where he gets the entire staff online to say that he rocks? <laughs> or does he just like make a group call instead and does it one time just to avoid double work? 
Valid question. Yeah. And does who who does he compare? Which I, does Malik Monk get the Clay Thompson comparison right away? Right. Or exactly. like if, yeah, I want to know this. Like Dennis Smith coming <laughs> in, like if he just right off the bat says, "Well, D- Dennis Smith is immediately going to be MVP." Derrick Rose, like you know, right. That's, that's probably where he's at. Yeah. Yeah. He's but, athletic like Russ, and he shoots like stuff. So, by the way, I will share one hot take, right? Because I know you like hot takes. Yes, please. And I'm going to go out on a line here, and it's going to be hardcore. I think Donovan Mitchell is going to have a better NBA career than Lonzo Ball. Oh, yeah. Ooh. I'm with that one. Ooh. Wow. I think, I think there's, there's quite a few players that think are going to have better careers than Lonzo Ball. But, yeah, Donovan Mitchell looks like the real deal. Yeah. I am yeah. in love with this guy. Like he is amazing, six three, yep. strong, strong as a bull, six ten wingspan, athletic yep. as hell, as strong defender. Development. He's a developing offensive player, but that development is going real nice. Like, he reminds me of a he reminds me of a, a George Hill type. If George Hill was a star, mm-hmm. right? As far yeah. as he can, he can, he can do everything. He's more athletic, and more explosive. Yeah. and yeah, I definitely I, I'm with you. I think he's gonna be, uh, yeah. Yeah. Shooting guard version, like a rich man's version of George Hill in the shooting guard, you know, body. Yeah. I'll I am, you I guys are killing me. I, now you make me want 10 even more because the dream would be like Dennis Smith at 5, Donovan Mitchell at 10, oh. and those two next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Look, Donovan game over. Mitchell next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, would be, mm-hmm. that would be so good because he is one of those guys who can run the floor all night long. And you know that those guys would roll to the rim. Like you would get so many transition opportunities. It's insane. And defensively, yeah. he would complement Embiid so much because he's mm-hmm. he's like, I when I look at Mitchell, I see a little bit of Avery Bradley to him defensively speaking. Yeah, you know, just interesting. Yeah, just longer and more disruptive. Yeah. No, not more disruptive. That's unfair because Bradley is really disruptive, but to the same level. Like mm-hmm. he's got that same potential as being a Avery Bradley kind of defender in the next. In, in, in the NBA. Oh my God, Kings! Please, 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 Kings! Just don't, don't draft call him. Brian Colangelo. Just, I'm begging you. You have, I'll DM you Brian Colangelo's number. Just, <laughs> Look, the Kings uh, are gonna draft Luke Kennard. You know it. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know? Right. And then, exactly. and then just because it's Vivek, and and because Luke is white, he's gonna be. That's the next bird because he's gonna shoot. <laughs> Probably true. Uh, James, do you have any other hot takes? Draft related hot takes for us. Um, other hot. I mean, I don't think it's that hot to say, but I mean, Malik Monk is going to be a star. Um, mm. I, I think he's going to be probably one of the better, the best offensive players in this draft. I think. Uh, oh, Mark, what's his name? Laurie Markinen. Yeah, yep. Laurie Markinen. I, yeah. I don't. I don't like him. I don't like him. Really? At all. That's interesting. Yeah. I think. Sure, the shot looks really nice, but you're a big man who can't really rebound and can't defend. And I don't care. Somebody, somebody tried to convince me that, oh, I looked into the numbers and his uh, – no, I, I, I see him. The guy can't defend. He can't rebound. He's he's going to be a disappointment. Um, any other hot, 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 spicy takes? Oh, I would have said Miles Bridges would have been the best player in this draft, but he didn't Ooh, like – I, I love huge. Miles Bridges' game. Yeah, I'm probably wrong on that one. But still, the fact – just watching him – I thought he should have been. Uh, I'm, I'm just. I'm shocked he went back to school. So mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's a good one. Well, just, I'm gonna. I, I, I've 
this isn't even a hot take because this is probably going to happen, but I have now fully expect Lonzo Ball to be a sixer on draft night. No I just, way. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're going to trade down. And I think uh, I think Los Angeles, you know, Kevin Ding, again, going back to his report, he was the one who the morning of the 2015 draft broke the news that they were going to take Russell over Okafor. And he's the only one who was reporting it for a long time. Uh, and then they did it. So he's got some really good sources with the Lakers, it seems. Um, and the fact, you know, that that column on Friday was all but saying, uh, you know, they're just not blown away by Lonzo. I think defensively, they were so bad defensively last year that I can't imagine they are going to be willing to pair D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo Ball. It seems so, like De'Aaron Fox is their plan. Could Lonzo like legitimately slip? I don't think the Sixers pass him up. I, I don't see Brian Colangelo doing it. How do you feel about that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, so I was I was out on Lonzo the entire time. Uh, and then we had Bodner on last week. And he actually talked me into it again. With, okay. Only because next to Simmons and Embiid, he could be really interesting. I want you to. Uh, I want you to. That's good. Hold on to that. That positivity. But oh no, the, please no. Uh, no, I just <laughs> want you to. Hey, you know, you're one of the smart NBA guys I know. So, your original thoughts probably have a lot of merit to them. And Derek yeah. Bodner, Derek's Derek's persuasive. I I'm with you originally. I'm not that. Yeah. I'm not in on Lonzo, and I think if you. I think besides Simmons and, and B, you want you, you'd rather have somebody like a Monk or mm-hmm. you know somebody who's a, a that Monk's he's gonna be he's gonna be dynamite. Mm. But yeah, that, this whole thing with Zoe, I, I don't I don't know I don't get it. I, I'm gonna, I sound like a hater, so I'll just leave it alone. <laughs> no, oh, no, I mean man, that high that his vision is so great. Oh, shut up! His vision is great. <laughs> he played he, he played with a lot of really good players at UCLA, and he he, he is a good passer. He's six six and he's a good passer. That's great. He doesn't have high level speed, high level shake. He doesn't. He doesn't have high level athleticism. People keep saying mm-hmm. he's a more athletic kid. I'm like, you guys must have not. You don't remember Jason Kidd as his yeah. first couple of years. In the no, that was league. ridiculous. Yeah. I hate it, dude. Yeah. I hate it. Sure, jumping higher than Jason Kidd doesn't mean he's more athletic than Jason Kidd. Yeah. Right? Oh, we so, we're yeah. showing our ages right now, James. Just, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, I mean, hey, for his sake, I hope he turns out and proves me wrong. I'll, I'll come yeah. on the show and say it. I just, I don't see it, dude. So, good luck. Yeah. Good luck with that, Brian. Thank you. I'm still rooting for the Lakers to take him, but I mean, I do think there's at least a possibility that if he slips, that the trade value of that pick might be more enticing. I could absolutely see Sacramento seeing Lonzo as the star, mm. and then at that point, packaging five and ten. Uh, oh my God, Vivek Ranadive and Lavar Ball. I would need. I need <laughs> a podcast. I don't want a <laughs> podcast with Vivek and Lavar Ball. Come on. Road tripping with Vivek and Lavar. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> Come on. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, I'm nervous. Honestly, like 60% of my hesitation about Lonzo on the Lakers is Lavar and Howard Eskin. Like the Philly media is just the worst possible place that you could put Lonzo or Lavar ball. So I'm not going wood. The Sixers will trade down and spare me, but I'm expecting to have a very morbid podcast in two weeks time where i'm trying to talk myself into once again two years after the okafor pick i'm gonna have to go back to that dark place and talk myself into another sixers selection on draft night at number three even 
I'd just I'd I'd, I'd be a Suns fan if Boston <laughs> yeah. the ball. I'm just I'm I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah. The Suns, yeah, the Suns could be frisky next year. All right, uh, James. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, I want to, you know, we will definitely have you back on <laughs> later this summer. No, uh, dude, I'll be, I'm happy. I'll be happy to come back on again in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> yeah back on again. Right. I appreciate you. When the Celtics get good again, we'll have you back on. Uh, oh, 2021. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, exactly. Uh, and to all of our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. Uh, just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. Uh, in our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow. Check us out on iTunes, subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And check out FanRag Sports, at FanRag Sports on Twitter, and at FanRag NBA for all of their NBA content. James, can you remind listeners one more time where they can find you on Twitter and all of your work? Well, thank you very much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Snotty Drippin'. Uh, you can find me at B-Ball Breakdown. And this is my stewardess voice. So <laughs> make sure that you buckle in and gear up for an off season of fun and thrills. Thank you yes. very much. Yes, 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 yes. You've been listening to. Okay, sorry. Snotty <laughs> Drippin', Snotty Drippin', B Ball Breakdown, uh, The Truth Podcast. That's it. Nice. Yeah. So nice. check James out there. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork. I was joined by both James Holis and Morton Jensen. Have a good one, fellas. You too, Brian. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome to Total Wine and More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine and More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clothes. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.